0: Welcome to the Milestone Church podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages.
1: I want to welcome each and every one of you back to week two of a series we've entitled The Good Steward. I want to look in the camera there welcome our McKinney campus and our Hazlitt campus, all those watching online, at all our campuses this weekend, we have a bunch of young people that are fired up and excited, so we celebrate with all of them at every campus, and uh, I just want to thank you for being a church that loves the next generation. Uh, God's idea from the very beginning is he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he's a generational God. And uh, I personally just believe that there's no greater blessing for us as we journey through life than to look behind us, reach back and give away everything that's been given to us. And so I want to thank all of our youth leaders, our youth pastors and those who have served and and, and helped out with these young people. All of you that took time to be uh, helpers and counselors and then all the host homes Thank you. I know you slept a couple hours, so we want to at least honor you, but uh, I I just want to say thank you. Jesus' church is alive and well. God's doing amazing things in the earth today. There's a lot of narratives about the next generation, and a lot of people just talk, but I'm glad to be a part of a church where we're actually putting action behind our passion. So thank you for your investment this weekend. I know we've only seen just the beginning of what God will do. On your way in, I also, in terms of impact, uh, I had our team put together a little brochure. If you have it, just wave it at me. It always makes me nervous. Make sure, okay, you guys got one. I hope you'll take the time to actually look through it. Our team put a lot of energy into it. And uh, I-, I wanted you to be able to see the impact of us, of we, of you, of what God does when we just all bring our part and come together. It's, it's really overwhelming to me because I know in most of those initiatives, uh, we just started out small with just a heart to help people, and it's amazing now the impact that we're having, and I, I just want to say thank you because I get to pastor a generous church. In fact, when you do a series on the good steward, some of you might think, you know, the pastor's preaching to make budget. That, that's that's not the goal of the series. Uh, God's doing great things in our church, and uh, we're in a great place, but what I love about it is, is that we... Uh, keep increasing, not just our space and not just our attendance, but we keep increasing our impact. See, the, the Bible talks about there's, there's more love, more love to go around, and I'm, I'm thankful that you are those type of people, and this is a weekend where I take a little moment to talk about that and to also... Uh, remind us of some of the things that we have coming and opportunities so you can begin to pray about those things. I also do this series because I'm a pastor, and so I want to introduce some of you, maybe if you didn't get a chance to see last week, this series, The Good Steward. Why are we talking about stewardship? Well, the truth is, from Genesis to Jesus, it's a lens or a perspective that God gives us, and that is that He's entrusted with us Every good and perfect gift that we have comes from him. And he gives us a lens on our lives and it influences our relationships. It influences our peace and our joy and these things that we have, the money we have, the time, the talent, the resources that we have, they've been entrusted to us and how we handle them impacts and influences our lives. Let me tell you why I'm not doing this series. It's not to make budget. It's not uh, that, you know, we're in a dip or we're trying to, I, I pastor a generous church. I want to say thank you to all of you that are part of Milestone Church for your generosity, not only with your resources, but your time and your friendliness and your kindness to people. It's a theme that I hear from every guest that comes to Milestone Church. So thank you for being you. I. I'm sharing this series because it's a biblical perspective, it's a theme in scripture, but I'm also sharing it because I believe we have a generation and we have uh, those of, that are coming behind us that, that need a place. It's, it's a place, the church is the place where we learn God's perspective on money and for some of you, I know it's an area of your life that you have a crisis, you have a lot of stress about I want to help you with it. I'm a pastor, so I'm wanting to help you with this area of your life. And it's also a place that can influence your marriage in a big way. If you're married, if you're planning to be married, this is an area that, as a pastor for 30 years, I found it's one of those places that can create great tension, not just mild tension. It can actually be a predictor of major problems. In marriage relationships. So I want to continue this series. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to go. I do want to celebrate something. I, I received uh, some emails this week. Last week we kicked the series off and probably got some negative ones, but I didn't read those. But uh, I, I did read this one from Miss Perez. Miss Perez, maybe she's watching, a Spanish teacher at Trinity Springs Middle School in Keller. She's part of uh, teaching the Spanish 2 honors curriculum. She said, my students had a choice to choose a community organization and create a one-minute video and a brochure in Spanish talking about their favorite organization. Stating why they believe that this community organization is so important. She said, I had the pleasant surprise, I think people are surprised, by the way, the church is not, it has organization, but it's kind of a living organism of relationships under the headship of Jesus, but it's okay, we'll, we'll go with organization. But she was surprised that some of her students chose Milestone Church as their favorite community organization. They created some beautiful brochures in Spanish and also some very nice videos promoting this organization and persuading others to join them at Milestone Church, Iglesia Milestone. Y'all like my Spanish there? I grew up Baptist, it was Iglesia Bautista, but anyway. Some of their arguments mentioned that Milestone is important because it serves the community and I love this, this is important. Why? Because it helps them get to know and share Jesus. I told them, oh, I should tell Pastor Jeff about your videos, your pastor. He would be happy. And he is. He's very happy. (laughs) They said, you can tell Pastor Jeff. Little smiley face emoticon. I love this contrast. As a teacher, I was proud of their work. But as a Christian, I was so touched by learning how much your church is influencing the lives of these teenagers. Yeah. That's you. That's you. I thought you'd be happy to know that some young people in your community consider Milestone the most important community organization and would love for others to join them there. That's amazing. I mean, thank God for Jesus' church, man, making an impact. Not sitting on the sidelines, having potluck dinners, laying hands on each other till they're bald, (laughs) making a real difference in the community. That's exciting to me. If you weren't here last week, I kicked off this idea of stewardship, the idea that it's someone who manages someone else's stuff. And there's some themes that we started off with that I want to make sure everybody has as a foundational understanding of stewardship and resources and money. First of all, God is the owner. We're just the managers of his stuff. This is so fundamental and foundational because if you don't get this bedrock foundation, multiple scriptures, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's. Everything you have is from him. It's for him. It's by him. And he has a way sometimes of... Kind of kinking the hose and reminding us, you're not making this, I'm supplying this. I give this to you. We're just the managers, it's all his, and once we get that perspective, then we have a different understanding of how we handle it. Second thing is, there's a lot of opinions about money. You may have gotten some from your parents, your grandparents, a friend, or read something online everybody has an opinion on how you should handle this or what you should do or what your target should be but the bible tells us god owns it and because god's word is true in every aspect of our lives my greatest recommendation for you is to make his voice authoritative in this area of your life it's really when you research it again as a pastor a lot of times you're wondering You know, what impacts someone to really begin to live God's way? Like, how do you do this? Like, how do you get it across? I mean, how do you share it with your kids? Do you know what the real truth is? It's not complicated. It's just God said it. That settles it. I'm going to do it. It's God's word. It's really your submission to the authority of God's word. That's the game changer in our lives. The third thing, though, is why does God talk about this? Why did Jesus talk about it, by the way? Jesus, you know, the main character in the whole story, 16 of his 38 parables, he talked about this. People are like, why is the church talking about money? Well, it's not to create transactions. It's to create transformation. Jesus talked about it because he knows you care about it. You you look at it, you look at it on your app, you're thinking about it, you're focused on it, you work for it, you plan for it, you strategize, and it's in your heart, it gets connected to who you are. Our treasure, the Bible tells us that our treasure, Jesus, and our hearts are connected. I'll give you an example a little bit from last weekend. I, I, I preached and shared last weekend primarily on tithing. It's this ancient biblical principle that keeps money in your hands as a tool and not ruling as Lord of your heart. It was given to us all the way through Scripture. It's a powerful thing. It's holy. And I talked about that, and at the end of every service at every campus and by video, I I shared the message of Jesus at the end of it and said, you can surrender your life to Jesus. If I'm really honest with you, I, 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 I was thinking, you know, I'm praying, you know, you'd think I'm the man of faith and power of the hour, but you preach on tithing, and the first thing you're thinking is, I hope someone comes back. Thank y'all for coming back this weekend. I'm glad you're here. And then I bowed my head and prayed, and I'm really thinking, nothing's going to happen. You know, I just preached on tithing. But in every service, there were people who raised their hand and said, I want to receive Jesus. I would see their hands and see their hands and in the top and here and there. And even a, a friend of mine from 15, 16 years ago that was in a Bible study never visited our church. Another friend brought him to church on tithing weekend. Isn't that funny how that happens? You invite your friend and it's the one weekend that the weird person does something crazy, you know. You're like, it's not always this way. you like, how did that happen? Well, it's because God does the saving. The Holy Spirit does the work in people's hearts. And what we saw last weekend is people gave their life to Jesus because it's really not about money. It's about your heart. Our treasure and our hearts are connected, and the starting point we learned last week is tithing. Malachi 3.10 says, bring. Everybody say, Bring. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, not to your family, not to your nonprofit. Bring it to the church that Jesus is using. It's central in the New Testament. Bring it. Bring it. Interesting language. Bring it. You might say, return it. It's holy, it's God's, it's first. You bring the tithe. There's some people who say, well, I tithe and I'm really generous. No, generosity starts after you bring. Foundational is bring, and then generosity starts after that. It's important that you get this. You bring the tithe, you return the tithe, you give offerings. So your generosity starts after you return back to God what's already His. I want to spend some time this week talking about this this give portion, this this place where the Bible says it's more blessed is the person who learns how to give and not receive. Where the Bible paints a target for us. I wanna actually give some of you, you're like, we're doing this series like, and some of us are at different levels. We have newly saved people, you've never heard these passages about bring, and we've got young people that are getting ready to start their lives and their families, and I'm gonna help a little bit today with just some basic coaching on resources. I mean, we're all at different places. But some of you may be saying, "Well, I got that one. I got that one. I've been there." It's like, "What is? What's in that? What what do I need? Where do I need to go in this area?" Well, I want to paint the target, like, like where are we actually trying to get to? But you got to really focus on some language here that's not common language. We got to let the Bible change our perspective, and sometimes it can be a little confusing. It's kind of like a few years ago, I uh, went to Oklahoma only thing that could draw me to Oklahoma was my son went to college there. It's hard to really get to heaven from Oklahoma, but anyway, it's, it's it, anyway. Uh, and, and so I went to visit him, and, and, and so I, I was catching a flight back, you know, and I was busy, you know, and you know how it goes, right? You just got to get your shoes off in front of a bunch of people, get checked in, do yeah. and I sit down. And there's this guy sitting beside me and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of shortish guy. And I'm kind of a big guy. He's thinking, how did I get put next to this guy? So I'm kind of crowding his spot a little bit. You know, we're kind of snuggled up there. He's, he looks at me, he says, what's your name? I said, my name's Jeff. What's your name? He said, my name's Jeff too. I said, well, man, imagine that. I said, well, is it, is it spelled the God way, or is it spelled, you know, like where other people try to vary the truth of God? Is it Jeffrey? He's like, oh, yeah, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. I said, well, you're blessed. I mean, it's, we don't want Jeffrey. <laughs> we, we don't want Guffrey, you know, G-O-E-F-F-F-F. It's like, so he said, yeah, I'm Jeffrey, and he had the same middle name, and he says, oh, now we're really getting interested, you know, we've been, I don't know, man, we, we may be the same people or something, you know, you're a little short, i mean, anyway, what's up? I, 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 so we start talking, and I said, well, what's, what's your, what, he asked me, what's your last name? I said, Little. <laughs> He's like, oh. I said, what's your name? He said, Bigger. <laughs> it was Jeffrey Bigger. I was so amazed I had to get his ticket, I said, can I take a photo? I was sitting next to Jeffrey Bigger and Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bigger, who was little, was sitting next to Jeffrey Little, who was bigger than Jeffrey Bigger, that really happened. Sometimes in all of this, it's like we're trying to, like, how does all this work? I'm trying to get it all matched up, and we're wondering, like, what's the goal? Like, is the goal, like, ultimately to get enough if I just had more? Can't tell you how many people believe if I had more, I'd be generous. No, not usually. Usually more just makes you more of what you are. And if I had more, then I wouldn't be afraid. Never happens. There'll never be a place in your life where, you know what, I have arrived at such a safe place, I have no fear on the inside of me, I have nothing that I'm worried about that would keep me from being a generous person with my life. What really happens is, is we live this short life, it's really short, the older you get, they tell you that, you know, when some of you younger couples that have young kids, you're like, "If this is going to go by fast, and they're like, well, today went by really slow, But it does happen, you wake up one day and you're like, where did my life go? And most people, when they get to the end of their life, they say, I wish, I wish I would have lived this way, I wish I would have taken a few more risks, I wish I would have been more generous, I wish I would have lived a little more open-handed, there'll never be a time where fear in this area doesn't come your way. A lot of people are just saying, I know I'm talking to some people, you're like, Jeff, you're talking about stewardship. I'm just trying to get out of the hole. Like if I could just get out of the hole, like we're living in the hole, you know? We got to change your whole mindset about your resources because here's what I've learned in helping people get out of the hole, most people end up back in it. And the reason they end up back in it is they never change their perspective on resources and money and things. And some are saying, can I get out of the hole? The goal would be, could we just get out of the hole? Some are saying, man, I got to hear, but like, how am I gonna pay for kids' college? You know, like the target would be that you have all your stuff taken care of and you have more money at the end of the month and you've got all the money saved for your kids' college. You know, there's some people at that phase. I've done that too. You're never gonna have enough, just let me tell you. These are expensive people. I could get all the college taken care of, and then now i got to save for weddings. Done that too. Ain't enough money on the planet. (laughs) I joined the committee, and I thought I was a voting member of the committee. I was not a voting member. I was only on the finance team. (laughs) There's all these thoughts about, like, if I got to here, and this is what a lot of advisors, get your number. Boy, when you get your number, you're going to feel totally safe, so... What is the goal? Why, why are we talking about this? Like, what's Jesus' goal? What's the Bible goal? How do, I, how do you hit a target if you don't even know what the target is? There's some good things along the way in the journey, but what's the ultimate target? Because there's a tension in what our minds say to us, what our flesh says to us, what our grandpa says to us, what our advisor says to us, what our computer says to us, what our iPhone says to us, and what the Word of God says to us. Let's let this passage in 2 Corinthians 9 just work in us. Paul, writing a letter, by the way, why does the church talk about money and resources? Well, have you ever read the Bible? Paul, this is actually a support letter. That's what it is. Paul's giving them some spiritual coaching inspired by the Holy Spirit to help them, but he's also saying, hey, you guys, can you help these other guys? That's what he's talking about here. And in the middle of it, he says, remember this. I love when the Bible gets real emphatic with us. If it's saying you need to remember this, then that means we have a tendency to forget this. So remember this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give I I, on your way in at all campuses you guys got a little brochure everybody got it just wave it at me if you got it there everybody why why am I why am I giving you that brochure it's simply this to show you your impact from what you've already decided to give and have given It's the lives that have been transformed. It's the people that have been changed. But also at the end of it, in here in just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about some more people and some more lives and some more opportunities that we have. And and it's not to create what we're about to read compulsion in you or pressure in you. It's simply to put vision in front of you so as you're praying and as you're seeking God because you're a follower of Christ, God can speak to you so you can decide what God's asking you to do. It's simply that. I've said this for 20-something years Just hear from God and do what God tells you. That's what Paul's telling them. That the follower of Christ is deciding on what they will give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not with manipulation, not with pressure. There's no need for any of that. Paul says this, not reluctantly. We've all done that where it's like, No, 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 don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. God is able, I'm so glad he is. God is able to bless you abundantly. I have a friend of mine, he and I have been talking through this and just kind of give him a little coaching here and there. And I'm, a, I'm a mentor and a pastor to him and this week he sent me, hey man, God really showed me some stuff in this area. And I sent him back. I thought I would share it with you just like I sent you the text. Don't ever forget, you'll never outgive God. You'll never out, you can't exhaust his abundant supply. God is able, he's able to bless you abundantly. Isn't he so generous to us? So that in all things, now we're getting to a target here now. You're like, Jeff, what's the real goal of all this? Is it cut up my credit cards? Well, if you haven't cut up your credit cards, you haven't got out of credit card debt, we're gonna talk a little bit about that in a minute. That's a good thing to get out of consumer debt. But sometimes today we think the picture is the greatest celebration is, and we've had people in our financial foundations cut up credit cards and get out of credit card debt. Praise the Lord! That's not the goal. We're not gonna just like, oh, praise God, let's make the main thing, everybody cut up their credit cards. The main thing's not that. That's a step on the journey. He says, no, here's how we're getting into a goal. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can abound in the good work that Jesus has for you. That you're sitting there on go. Just speak to me, Lord. Just tell me where and when. You're sitting on go, abound in every good work. Because as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And I love this. I got in a, a couple of years ago, I got like fresh revelation on the next thing I'm about to read to you. Very interesting. Now he who supplies, who supplies it? God supplies the seed. He supplies seed to sowers. You're like, I wish to add more seed. Well, you got to start with the sowing. He supplies seed to sowers and bread for food. Did you know, when you start talking about being generous, God's not trying to take your bread for food. I think improper appeals in church and different things and manipulation creates this tendency in people that they think, oh God, this is like we, 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 we lose our bread to eat or our bread. God says, I give you bread for food, but bread is for eating and bread is for sustaining and I even give you some extra bread and more bread than you need and let you enjoy some things in life and you can worship me with all of it, but you eat the bread, but you sow the seed. If you eat all of it, then you don't have any seed because he's talking all about, I know it's an agricultural society that's hard for us to get, but the concept is if you don't have the seed, you don't have anything in the ground to grow your future bread. He supplies seed to sowers and bread for food, and I'll also supply and increase your store of seed, and I'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here it is, another target. Are you ready? Goal. You'll be enriched in every way. Remember what we learned last week? The blessing of God is not just monetary. I know people who have a lot of money who are not blessed. Just mere money is only a tool. That doesn't mean you have the hand of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God, the cooperation with God in his agenda in the earth. He says, I want to enrich you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Boy, there's a great target to get. I can be ready on any occasion that you speak to me, Lord, and look what it says, now the big macro target, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I like this, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, get this, I multiply it, I create a greater impact out of it, but it also is overflowing in these ways in many other expressions of thanks to God. So what a great target to be sitting on go, to be ready for whatever God speaks, but also to have this mindset that God's multiplying it in the lives of people and creating for his glory, thanksgiving to God. I wanna give you three thoughts very quickly of what I see in Christ followers who get this passage. Here's some elements that I see in their lives, okay? I see it in Scripture. The first one is peace. It's being not driven, but being led by peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But if you don't invite Him into every area of your life, then you have areas of your life where you don't have peace. And this is an area where a lot of people don't have peace. 65% of all Americans say that money is a significant source of stress in their lives. 60% of adults say they are living paycheck to paycheck. And this is big. Financial disagreements are the strongest disagreement type that can predict divorce in a marriage. The Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He he wants to rule. See, money, we learned this last week. Why do we tithe? Why do we submit? Why do we get God's order? Why do we say, Lord, I want you to talk to me about all of this, why? Because money wants to move from a tool in our hands crawl up our arms, and become Lord of our hearts. It wants to rule. It wants to be God. It wants to take over our lives. But when we submit this area of our lives, we begin to invite the peace of God. And that's not based on how much you have. There's people that have a lot that have no peace. It's really about submitting it. Is this, you're like, well, I submitted that to God. I submitted this area, but man, I got this area over here now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can I encourage you with something? Invite him into it. Invite him into it because when you invite him into it, you're inviting the prince of peace into this area of your lives. Every time you get more or go for more, God wants to abundantly bless you. He said that. But every open door may not be a God-open door because the richest guy that ever lived actually said that it might be better to have one handful with peace Than two handfuls with a whole lot of toil and chasing after the wind sometimes. More doesn't always create the solution, it's how you handle what you already have along the way. The second thing is, I want to give for all you young adults here, I want you to key in. I know you're sleepy, you slept like two hours. The host home people slept one. (laughs) But you need a plan. So there's, so it says here, we're going to decide, we're going to be ready on every occasion. If we're going to do that, then we need a plan. So I find they follow basic practical steps to good stewardship. A a great basic plan, I've preached this to my own kids, I've preached it to people, I've shared it, it's very simplistic, but it'll really, really be a good starting point if you have no plan. You don't start with your investment, you don't start with what do I do, you don't start with how, you start with bringing to God the tithe, and then God blesses the rest of it. It's the only place where he says, just try it. Just test me in this. Have you ever tested him in it? The next thing is, take 10% and pay yourself. Minimum. Save. You want to know how to be rich, young people? Young people are like, man, if I could be rich and famous. You want to know how to be rich? Spend less than you make and do it for a long time simple. Just spend less than you make and do it for a long time. Save for the future. And take the 80% and say, God, it's all yours too. I'm here to steward it. You talk to me. You tell me what you would have me do. And so a plan is, I see people that live generously, have a plan, a budget. They tell their money where to go instead of their money telling them what to do. Avoid consumer debt. Young people, I need you right here. I need you to key in. Here's what's going to happen. This is high schoolers, by the way, so this is important. You're going to go to college if you haven't already received these things yet. Once you go to college, you are going to receive a whole bunch of people that want to loan you money. They want you to get a card. And on this card, when you get it, and if you get a few of them, they want you to use that card, and they're going to charge you 20-something percent interest. Let's just say 23%. When you get to college and you decide you're going to charge that card up for 23% interest, call your pastor and I'll loan it to you for 18 or 20. (laughs) But it can trap you, is all I'm saying. You could get trapped in a hole before you ever get started. Avoid consumer debt, don't buy that couch. For $99 a month for the rest of your life. I hope you really like that couch. It's a trap. Avoid consumer debt. Here's a big one, young people, everybody, live in appropriate seasons. You don't have to get it all now. You don't have to get it all now. It's a journey over a, a period of time. And I, and I wanna tell you, like, like, along the way in the journey, here's what I've learned. If you can't enjoy where you're at today, you're probably not going to enjoy where you're at tomorrow. It's just a fact. You you can make a little and you can make a lot. You can make different things in between. But at the end of the day, it's the peace of God. It's the rule of God. It's the order of God. It's enjoying it today. You don't have to have it all right now. Live in those seasons. And I'm going to say this to everybody. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, Thank you to all the budget coaches, a part of Milestone Church, when we train people in this and financial foundations who take the time to invest in people. We have to pass it on. We have to pass this on. You've got to share your values with the next generation. You've got to help them. You've got to be the one who's helping them understand it. We live in an area where many of us live with a greater blessing than those previous to us, it's real challenging. How do you not put on your kids things that give them a place that they don't learn the lessons that they need to learn along the way that made you who you are? It's not always easy. We all come from different perspectives and different backgrounds and we all have different personalities. Some of you are married to a saver. You wouldn't say they're a saver. You would say they're tight, you know, and so you're married to a saver and some of y'all are a spender. And you got different personalities. It's like training my kids along the way. I I didn't get my daughters a nice car because they were gonna tear it up. So we kind of got a little, you know, functional car, a little deal. And Hannah had a little grandma car, and we got this car, and this and, and, and 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 I rode with them during their practice driving. My prayer life went through the roof. I mean, it's a good thing I know how to connect with God because me and him were real connected on those journeys. And they would always want to get so close to the edge. I don't know if they had a dimension spatial issue, but I would be like, there's mailboxes over here. There's trash cans over here. There's things over here. I got it, Dad. I can tell you got it, okay? Both of them knocked their mirrors off. Both did. One came, different personalities now, One came in sackcloth and ashes under the weight of repentance and condemnation and brought me the mirror. Daddy! The other one just duct-taped it on and hoped I wouldn't see it. I went out and there was duct tape. Stuck it on the side of the car. There's got to be a little bit of the basic training but also understanding who you're training and you got to... Pass it on though. Here's the third and final thing that I want to say to you is people who live with this target that Paul just painted to us, they they live with purpose. They understand the goal. They understand what we're trying to get to. What what are we really trying to get to? Just cut up your credit cards or just get to here or just get more at the end of the month. I mean, if that's the step you're at to get an emergency fund to pay off your debt, then hey, we want to encourage you, take those steps. But that's not the end of the journey. You know, sometimes people who become great stewards become so focused on the money that they look at the money. And if the eyes are full of the numbers, the Bible says the lamp of the body is the eye. And if the eye is focused, then the body becomes full of what the eye focuses on. And there's some people who become so numbers focused, they worship the numbers and never get to the generosity. It's like, I intended to. I mean, we put a fish on the business, we just never give much out of it to the kingdom. I know, I went from preaching to meddling. So the goal isn't just to get to this place. The goal is actually to get to the place where you're participating purposefully in what God has on his heart. So there's an intentionality. Notice what it said in 2 Corinthians 9. Each of you decided in your heart. That means you're praying about it. That means you're looking. And, and I love this, Isaiah 32.8. I thought about this verse this week. It's in the New King James. It says, generous people devise ways to be generous. You ever been around a generous person? They're planning their next generous move. They're planning a way to be. They're devising. Actually, the context of the chapter, chapter is actually people who rule, people who oversee things, people who oversee governments and peoples and things. And the and the prophet Isaiah is saying that you shouldn't have selfish motive. You should rule in such a way that you are looking benevolently at the people that you're serving and looking to find and devise ways to be generous. What a great target! To be intentional with our lives to such a degree that we are devising ways, deciding. Here's the next thing, though. I I, I said this last week, and I want to say it again. I want to make sure you get it in this series. So many people attend church, listen to preaching, and they think the whole goal is a transaction. It's a transaction. If I do this, then God will transactionally do this for me. They think it's a transaction with the church, an online... It's not... In the kingdom of God, we have a higher perspective. We believe that there is a such thing called eternity. Notice the big target Paul gave. This will result in thanksgiving to God. And so much so that it'll actually become thanksgiving to God to people we've never even met because God's gonna multiply it and create thanks in their lives toward God. See, we believe there's a place called heaven. We believe there's a place called hell. We believe eternity is a long time. So for us, it's transformational in the lives of people. It's an eternal message. And by the way, you've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You don't take it with you. It's not something you transport to the next place. There's verses of Scripture that we get in the Gospels like, don't just store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, but keep thinking eternally where you're putting it forward as well, thinking about eternal lives where moth and rust... Do not destroy. Most people will spend their lives mostly storing up for that which will be destroyed by moth and rust. They never get it to the eternal side. What a great picture and a great target! I gave you that brochure to show you the eternal investments that you've made this year. It's significant. It's, it's amazing what all you're able to do and who you are as a church, every campus, the impact that we are having, the thanksgiving given to God. I gave you that brochure. I hope you'll take some time to look over it, to read it, to see all the impact. It's amazing. It blows my mind. I remember when we just started with a heart and now we're seeing God do significant things beyond what I really believe could ever happen because of your generosity. I want you to watch this video with me and I want you to see just a little bit of that generosity. This church does so very much for, for this whole community. Um, you're a very mission-minded church.
0: Knowing that someone cares, just, y'all are just very thoughtful and loving and kind to all of us, and we appreciate it. We love all of you. Milestone, because you are a generous church, you are making a difference. Your generosity makes it possible to share the love of Jesus beyond the walls of our church to people all over our region. Meeting the needs of the elderly, refugees, those experiencing homelessness, widows, veterans, kids. And one of the most powerful ways your generosity is on display is in the way you bless single moms like Emily and her three kids who walked into our McKinney campus at a time when they needed hope. You provided her with resources and support that lifted her up. Aaron and her son Keaton began attending our Hazlitt campus because your generosity made it possible to send a bus to bring Keaton to Elevate, where he had a life-changing encounter with God and ultimately gave his life to Jesus. And when Brianna came to our Keller campus for joy, our annual women's Christmas event, she was so overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and the gifts she received, she called her dad to describe what she had experienced.
1: Being the father of a single mother was a different experience for me. So for me, it was real important to know that my daughters saw a support system. When my daughter went to Joy for the first time, she called us bubbling over with emotion. She was tearful, you could tell on the phone. We understood now that this church actually reached out with more than just a hug, a handshake. One of the biggest things that I really like is serving single moms because of my daughter's years as a single mom. Every time I hand a gift to one of these moms, It reminded me of that phone call from my daughter. That phone call, that she was overwhelmed by these gifts. We are blessed, and we are there to give because everything we have is to share. Isn't that amazing? Nothing like hearing a dad's heart. You know, I I actually uh, shook hands at our. Discovery 101, that's our first step. If you're new with us, we'd love for you to join us at the first of every month. But I was shaking hands. The last person I shook hands with was a single mom. And, uh, you know, I, I can get really emotional when I interact with them. I feel God just gave me a burden for them. And here's what I always love about them. Her first words to me is, I got it. Single moms are beasts. you know what I mean? They'll just sew a dress and change a carburetor. She's like, I got it. I'm like, it doesn't look like you got it. I don't know. She said, well, actually, it's been quite overwhelming. My husband died of a widowmaker heart attack instantly. I've been taking care of the kids. She had two sets of twins. So there she is, and she's been dealing with the, 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 the estate, and she was like, was, she's like, you know, I've just been trying to get my TV up. You know, she's putting her TV up. They just moved here. I was like, we can help you. I wanna encourage you as a church with this. The reason I can tell that single mom we can help you is because we have decided in our heart. We have decided in our hearts. And because we've decided in our hearts, there's a lot of people who wanna be generous. Everybody really wants to be. Just most people never get around to it. Because you've decided in your heart, it gives me the opportunity to bless people like this single mom. Man, she was just in tears and we kinda of surrounded her begin to serve her. And that happens all the time. I want you to take your brochures. Everybody wave them at me. We're closing our service. Take those brochures. There at the end are some of our end of year offering initiatives. We're going to help so many different people, single moms, our school outreach. Man, we're looking for more opportunities. As, As you saw, we had one Title I school. Now we've got three Title I schools. We're looking for problems. We're looking for ways we can serve. And so we're We're helping our our schools, our veterans, our global outreach. We're also having, as you saw there, a service in Argyle. So we're doing outreach to students there. We're gonna be having some Christmas outreaches and some things in the new year as well. These are just things for you to pray about. And uh, you say, how do you participate? Well, online, you'll notice a drop-down menu, end of year offering, or if you write a check, then you can put that in the memo, end of year offering. All of these resources, we're, 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 we're doing great as a church. Just all these resources are gonna be used in a way that we can impact the lives of people. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a generous church. And I wanna encourage some of you here, I want us just to bow our heads for a moment. I believe maybe last week or this week or last week and this week, Maybe there's some of you, God's really been speaking to you. Maybe there's some area you're like, you know what? That's a step I need to take. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray that beyond my words, but through God's word and through the Holy Spirit, simple, simple lifestyle with Jesus is hear his word and obey it. Hear and obey, hear and take the step. Lord, I pray for someone right now that Lord, you're working in their hearts, and I pray that you would give them the courage, the strength, the conviction. We don't live under condemnation or compulsion, but you do by your spirit convict us and guide us and lead us. So Lord, I pray just for willingness, willing hearts, to any area of the stewardship of our lives. Lord, we submit it to you. We say your word is true and everything else is a lie. And we submit to your way because you love us. You bless us. You're so good to us. And Lord, we thank you for all of what you've done in our lives. And Lord, we want to steward it well in Jesus' name. Amen.